Welcome to Eastern Europe's Minorities in a Century of Change, a podcast on the history of minority experiences in Central and Eastern Europe during the 20th century. This series is part of the Institute of Historical Research's Centennial Commemorations, Our Century, Looking Back, Thinking Forward, and has been organized by the Bassi Study Group for Minority History. It was made possible through the help and support of the British Association of Slavonic and East European Studies and the Stanley Burton Centre for Holocaust and Genocide Studies at the University of Leicester. I'm Dr Samuel Foster, a co-organiser for the study group. The study group is a forum devoted to researching minorities in the national and regional histories of Central, Eastern and Southeast Europe and promoting closer scholarly collaborations. For more information, please visit our website at studygroupforminorityhistory.com. On this episode, John Paul Newman, Associate Professor in 20th Century European History at the National University of Ireland, Maynooth, talks to us about the experiences of disabled war veterans in Yugoslavia before and after the Second World War. John Paul. Welcome to the podcast. Can you start by telling us a bit about yourself and how you became interested in this area of history? Hi, Sam. Um, well, first of all, thank you very much for the invitation to, uh, uh, to talk with you today. Um, I, I've started listening to some of your podcasts and, and this seems like an excellent initiative uh, um, and, a, and a great sort of a great project. So congratulations to you and to Olena uh, um, as well for your, uh, for your efforts uh, so far. Um, so who am I? Um, my name is, as you say, John Paul Newman. Uh, I'm a historian of uh, Central Europe um, and the Balkans. Um, I've been working, I've been based and I've been working in Ireland for about a decade now, a little, little bit longer than that, first as a postdoc um, and now as a uh, university lecturer at the, uh, the University of Maynooth. Um, I started out my career um, writing about Croatia. I wrote my PhD um, about Croatia and Croats after the First World War. As part of a project uh, which was looking at uh, um, the legacy of the Habsburg Empire um, and its various kind of afterlives uh, after 1918. Um, and, and, and so that, that was a project and there's people working on the Czechs and the Hungarians and uh, um, the Austrians. Um, and I wrote about the, uh, the Croats. And that eventually, uh, um, after a very long um, gestation period, production period, uh, that became my monograph, uh, Yugoslavia in the Shadow of the War, which was kind of an expansion um, and looked at the way uh, the first Yugoslav state, the interwar state that I think we'll be talking a little bit about today, uh, came to terms or, or very often did not come to terms uh, with, the, uh, with the legacies of the First World War. And since then, I've kind of moved around a lot. Um, I, I'm sort of very, uh, um, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm dabbling in different languages and different areas and, and, and sort of moving away and moving around. And, and more recently, I've looked at similar and related questions uh, um, in, in relation to places like Bohemia um, and Bulgaria. Uh, um, and so I've kind of moved around a little bit, but I, I, I guess I still have some, uh, um, some interest in, in Yugoslavia and the South Slavs and, and, and uh, um, you know, still sort of keeping up to, to date with, with those topics. Thank you. So as you've just uh, been saying, your research, your research focuses on the country known as Yugoslavia, or rather formerly known as Yugoslavia. 
Now, some of our listeners might be familiar with it from news conflict, from obviously from news coverage of the conflicts that took place in what was often known as the former Yugoslavia during the 1990s. Or some of them may have even even have memories of going there on holiday in the 1970s and 80s. However, for the benefit of our audience, could you tell us where in Europe Yugoslavia actually was? What were its origins? And why is it typically described as having existed both before and after the Second World War? Okay, deceptively, deceptively uh, uh, simple questions behind which lurk huge, uh, um, huge discussions. Um, well, the, the, the country, the, the, the Yugoslavia, as, as many of your listeners will, will probably know, um, simple, simply means land of the South Slavs. Um, and it's roughly uh, congregant with the, uh, uh, the, the, the area that we now call uh, the Western Balkans. So countries like Croatia, uh, countries like Serbia, countries like Bosnia, uh, um, Montenegro, Macedonia, um, also Slovenia, once upon a time, uh, were part of one state. Um, and this state was called uh, was called Yugoslavia. And in fact, there was, as, as you rightly mentioned, there's more than one. There's in fact two. Uh, well, actually, actually, there's three, but there's two main uh, Yugoslavias. Um, the one that the majority of people, I think, are more familiar with um, is the state that was formed by Tito and by the Communist Party, uh, the Yugoslav Communist Party, at the end of the Second World War and existed uh, up until uh, the conflicts which you mentioned, Sam, uh, um, during the 1990s. And that, that's known to people, as you say, because people, people of a certain age will remember uh, um, images of, of the conflict in Bosnia or the conflict in Croatia or Kosovo uh, during the 1990s. Some people might remember the, the communist leader, Tito, uh, Josip Broz, uh, um, was, was quite a colorful, prominent uh, figure on the, uh, um, on the world stage during the Cold War. Um, and many people also would have gone on holiday or visited the country. It was comparatively... Um, for most of its existence, more open than uh, um, uh, than other parts of the uh, the communist world. Um, now there was there was an, a Yugoslavia before that uh, that was formed after the end of the First World War uh, at the Paris Peace Treaties, um, and that's the state that I've uh, um, throughout most of my uh, research career been been writing more about. Um, a state that was formed uh, um, in 1918 and existed up until uh, uh, Axis invasion in uh, 1941. And that was a state that was quite different, actually, from the, the socialist state. Uh, um, initially, in the 1920s, it was formed as a parliamentary democracy. So it was a very tortured and difficult period, uh, um, and eventually collapsed into a, uh, into a military and royal dictatorship uh, um, in, the 19, in the 1930s. So a short-lived state, uh, um, one that is generally considered uh, a state whose failures, I would say, outnumbered its successes, although there were some, some notable successes. Um, and a state for that reason, which is, you know, in historical terms, is, is very often eclipsed. Um, 1918 was, in fact, the first time properly uh, that a South Slav state uh, um, had been formed and existed on the map. Um, but various ideas about South, South Slav unification were in various stages of development, uh, much longer than that, and particularly uh, um, in the 19th century. Uh, um, many people who were involved in the Croat National Awakening uh, um, or many people who were involved in 19th century state building in countries like Serbia um, had various ideas about how a South Slav unification might come into existence. And those ideas were very uh, um, varied, uh, depending on who you ask, uh, um, but they were, they were in existence at least, uh, um, even if there wasn't a huge amount of consensus over how this, uh, this process would, uh, would be achieved. 
Building on the themes covered in your 2015 book, which you've already mentioned, um, Yugoslavia in the Shadow of War, um, you've been previously been exploring the idea of disabled veterans as representing what you've now what you've been calling in more recent research as a social minority minority. Firstly, how would you define this particular concept and what do you think it would mean in or meant in this Yugoslavian context? Sure. Um, well, let me let me say two things, um, maybe two two or three things um, about that uh, about that about that question. Um, the first is that I, I've, as you know, Sam uh, very well, um, and as some of your listeners will likely know as well, um, for very many uh, decades, uh, discussions about the Yugoslav state have uh, been focused. Uh, to a very large extent on uh, the national question. Uh, and uh, there's been a sense that um, Yugoslavia is unusual in the, the, the you know, the, the, the sort of the, the pattern of, of nation states in 20th century Europe. Um, you know, it's, it's not a nation state, it's a state, it's like a conglomerate state that has various nations within it. Um, perhaps this was the, the big problem in the state, this was the fatal flaw. Um, and in order to understand its history, going right back to the 1918, all the way through to the end uh, um, in the 1990s, one has to approach it first and foremost uh, um, as, a, as a state of various nationalities. Now, I, I, in my own work, including this project on disability, I, I simply wanted to do something different. Uh, and I wanted to just say, well, look, maybe there's other experiences, other identities, other identifications um, that in a sense intersect or not with, with national identity. There might be other things that are important to people. So in, in my book, that was that was very much about the experience of war. Um, and Yugoslavia uh, was a state which was formed uh, of people who had been on opposing sides during the, the First World War. Um, and I wanted to, to think about that and to say, well, look, maybe this, uh, um, you know, the, 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 the sense of demobilizing from this uh, uh, from this conflict, perhaps this was one of the most important dividing matters and, and, and one of the most important things for those people who fought in the war, of course, which there were many tens of thousands. Um, and in this sense, Yugoslavia is perhaps similar to other states, Czechoslovakia, uh, Poland, Romania, which had similarly divided uh, um, histories of, of the war. Um, and, and so the, the work on disability is really kind of adjacent to that. Um, it, it's now saying, well, let, let's carry on thinking beyond the national question and outside of the national question. Um, and let's look at a category which is virtually uh, um, untouched and, and, and undiscovered. In, uh, in, in writing and thinking about Yugoslavia, and, and that's the category of disability. Um, and so recently what I've been trying to do uh, um, is, is try to think about how disabled men and women, disabled people, um, how they experienced life in, in, and work and, and, uh, um, and welfare in, uh, um, in, in the Yugoslav state and, and where this sits with what we understand about, uh, um, about the state's politics, about the national question, about these sorts of things. Now, then, now the second part of your question, and perhaps after all it was the first part, I, I can't remember now, um, about the, them, that group being a social minority um, is really something that I've come to from reading uh, the so-called new, new disability history. Uh, um, and, and this is a relative, this field is a relatively advanced in uh, the US and in US history uh, um, where it, it sort of, the history of disability sort of fits in with this study of minorities and social minorities. So the, the, the best historians, the, the most prominent historians of disability in the US context 
would approach disability in the same way as they would approach gender minorities or racial minorities, um, which is to say this is, a, to a certain extent, a socially constructed experience, a socially constructed character um, category, um, not, not one that's fully existing essentially in, in and of itself, um, but one which, which must be approached for its social dimensions. So that, that's kind of what I've been doing uh, um, with, with disability. I've been trying to ask how understanding, understandings of disability were formulated, were forged, uh, um, how people who were wounded or injured or had physical impairment understood themselves to be disabled subjects, how they negotiated that identity uh, uh, with the able-bodied population, with the state, with other members of, of this social minority. Uh, um, so that, that, that's basically what, I, what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get away from the notion that this is an essential category, um, but I'm looking at, the, looking at the way that it's historically and socially contingent and socially and historically created um, in the history of, of Yugoslavia. Okay, and um, just as a very quick follow-up to, uh, to that last question, um, when, we, when you say disability, um, and also given the, comp the sort of ways in which it was understood particularly in interwar Europe and in the early Cold War period, are you ex do you explicitly look at physical disability or are you also looking at um, mental and psychological, um, yeah, individuals with mental and psychological problems? Yeah, it's, it's such a good question, Sam. Uh, it really is. Um, and what, what's, it, it's, the answer is unfortunately so far, um, my work is, for the time being at least, is focused on physical disability and physical impairment. Um, now, everything that I said about that field, uh, um, insofar as we're, we're still making the first steps and that there's you know, a, a group of scholars, that there is work out there uh, and, and some of it is very good, um, but it's not as established as it is, for example, in the US context or other fields within Yugoslavia, i.e. the national question or politics or, uh, or social history or, or, or those sorts of things. Um, as much as that is true um, for mental impairment and for mental disability um, and, you know, the, the history of psychiatry and these sorts of fields, they're much, even much more under-researched. Uh, um, and th this is really a field throughout Yugoslav history that's being built from the, the sort of the ground up. Uh, um, there's minimal scholarship. Uh, um, of course, the, the sources that do exist are uh, um, glutted with uh, um, contemporary prejudices and misunderstandings. It's the same is true of physical disability, but to a smaller extent. Um, so for the time being, I'm, I'm focusing on, uh, um, on, on physical disability, but I would be remiss not to mention people like Anna Antic, um, who has written a terrific book called Therapeutic Fascism, uh, uh, which is a, psych a study of psychiatry uh, during the Second World War and is an extraordinary, uh, uh, offers an extraordinary way forward in, into this topic of, uh, um, of understanding mental health uh, in Yugoslavia in the, uh, um, in the 20th century. So there's really a lot of work to be done on that. Uh, and, and actually is potentially an extremely exciting and interesting uh, field. So um, turning now to the experience of disabled veterans, first in what would become, what was, um, often called the Kingdom of Yugoslavia, or initially uh, the Kingdom of Serbs, Croats and Slovenes. What sorts of social climate did they face? Also, given the fact that much of this country had previously existed as part of Austro-Hungary, were there any, uh, were there or can you discern any continuities in terms of things like welfare provision and state assistance? Mm. 
Yeah, I, I can. I mean, in the first the first part of your question, uh, the experience of disability, of course, it was a very varied one. Um, just as disability itself is a very varied, uh, a very varied category. Um, but at the end of the First World War, as, as the state came together, immediately afterwards, there, there were very bold statements um, about this group of people. And, and because of the First World War, um, uh, you know, the, 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 the matter of disability as a social question had, had really expanded. Uh, exponentially, there were so many disabled veterans and wounded veterans coming home uh, um, that it really eclipsed uh, a previous period. Now, of course, there had been disabled war veterans uh, in, in Serbia. They've been, you know, they've been fighting in 1878 and 1885, even 1912, 1913. Um, there were some, uh, very much fewer in Austria-Hungary, but you know, there were also a few, uh, um, you know, around, and, and there was a, there was some welfare and some, and some charity. Um, but the first of all, really transformed this, transformed the scale of the question uh, and really introduces disability uh, um, on a mass scale. It introduces as a huge social question, which can only be resolved through the intervention of the state, or at least that's the, the feeling. Now, immediately, there, there are bold statements about this. Uh, um, there's a sense of optimism and, and state institutions which are competent for these matters um, offer some very uh, um, ambitious and bold statements and, and essentially hand over promissory notes to wounded men and, and wounded women um, that something bold and something, you know, something major will be done about this. As the interwar period rolls on, um, and the economic difficulties that the state finds itself in, not to say the political difference, dif difficulties become more acute. Um, those big promises that were set out at the end of the First World War, um, that there is a sense, at least for many of the disabled, uh, uh, many disabled people within Yugoslavia, that these are not, uh, um, that these are not being, um, that these are not being met. Um, so the overwhelming mood uh, um, amongst many disabled people is one of disappointment, uh, uh, one of disillusionment, um, one of a sense that some kind of agreement had been made between them and the state, um, and that agreement has not come through, it's been reneged upon. So, so there's a, a huge amount of disappointment. Now, it, it, concerning previous welfare, there was, um, it, it's certainly true in, in Yugoslavia, as in many of those new states, um, because they were composite states, that there were lots of different legislative, legislative histories, uh, just as there were political histories and, and national histories and, and, and all of these sorts of things. So there are different welfare, uh, um, um, the, the different understandings of what welfare was and what welfare should be uh, um, coming, into, coming into the new state in, in, in 1918. Now, one of the problems was because the state was politically quite dysfunctional, um, it, it was very slow. Uh, um, the legislative bodies were very slow at passing laws. Um, it, took, it took a very long time. Uh, and Sam, you, you know very well the political history of the interwar kingdom. Um, and you know the, the, the great sort of figures like Pasic and Noradic and Pribicevic. Um, and you know that those people were loggerheads uh, throughout much of the interwar period. Um, now, now, usually that's told as a political narrative, but, but the, the reality is for the, you know, the the people in Yugoslavia is that if they needed, uh, um, you know, the, the state to function, the parliament to function as a legislative body, very often it was not doing that. It was doing that in a very cumbersome and, and slow moving way. So those fragments of welfare existed well into the 1920s. Uh, um, and this was a state of acute sort of, this caused a huge amount of confusion and, and, and bitterness amongst many disabled uh, uh, people within the state that there wasn't a single 
uh, um, understanding of what their status entailed, um, uh, uh, and you know, a single means of, uh, um, of 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 sort of you know understanding their status as disabled people and what they were entitled to from the from the state. It's actually one of the areas in which uh, um, uh, war veterans from various sides, from either you know the Austro-Hungarian side or, or, the, the, or the the Serbian army, so those people who had fought against one another were able to come together because they they, they believed that they had common ground. Um, that their, you know, that any sense of triumphalism and of, of, of sort of victory um, was sort of null until uh, until a welfare package that could cover all of the disabled veterans was uh, was was formulated. And um, sorry, just to follow up on that question as well, um, what sort of did this um, sense of um, kind of rising resentment and um, sort of uh, disillusion if you like what what kind of what sort of consequences did that have particularly thinking of um sort of the uh the kingdom's political situation in the 1930s were there any repercussions as a result of this um there were i mean the, the, i don't i don't think there was a huge kind of political re repercussions let's like a country like germany um from weimar to national socialism um, one of the things that the, the Nazis did when they came into power uh, um, is present themselves as the, the guardians and the saviors uh, of, uh, um, of war veterans, disabled or otherwise. And, and of course, that was part of their, um, you know, very militaristic and, and uh, um, you know, fascistic ideology. Um, and, you know, there was a sense that there were, there were very many war veterans, although not all of them, who, who you know, saw in Hitler somebody who, who would... Uh, um, redeem their blood sacrifice and, and, and would be a champion for them. Um, that, that doesn't really happen to such a great extent in uh, um, in, uh, in Yugoslavia, or rather, it, it sort of the, the King Alexander, who became dictator in 1929, uh, um, was immensely popular, charismatically, with with very many war veterans, at least of the Serbian army. Um, so they were quite welcoming, just, just as large parts of the actual army were, um, of his dictatorship when it arrived in 1929. And indeed, in the initial months, uh, um, Alexander, because all of his parliament stuff was gone, uh, um, and he was dictating uh, uh, by royal prerogative, he, he was actually able to pass various pieces of legislation in, in very sort of quick, quick order. Um, now, of course, his story ends badly, and he's killed in 1934. And, and you know, he doesn't solve all, all the myriad problems that, that the state has. Um, but, but basically, I mean, I, it's a sense. I, I guess it's, it's just yet, yet another of, of the shortcomings, social, political, and economic, um, that, that we must sort of talk about and we must attribute to the to the state. So, uh, I said at the beginning of the discussion uh, um, that the, the state's failures outlived its its successes. Um, that there might be historians who disagree with me on that, but but I think I think that's the case, um, and I think this is just a, an, another sort of failure to say that it was not able to uh, um, to deliver a welfare package to its uh, disabled people, its disabled citizens that was uh, um, that was satisfactory. Excellent, and um, well, not, <laughs> not excellent, but um, excellent response. <laughs> Ter um, terrible. Okay. But... That actually follows very neatly into my next question. Um, okay, so we get to sort of mid-1945, um, Yugoslavia, as you've sort of already outlined, has been revived under um, Tito, under Josip Broz Tito and the League of Communists. 
um, as this socialist federation, although it undergoes various constitutional changes throughout its existence. Um, but I was just wondering, what would you say were the key differences or continuities in this regard um, for uh, disabled, particularly for what you, we could describe as this sort of new generation of disabled veterans or maybe even veterans from the previous, from the interwar period. Um, and I'm thinking particularly in how they were viewed and treated as well as viewing themselves. And I was also wondering, um, um, I'm a, I know this is sort of somewhat some slightly new territory for you, but have you, um, was there some sort of, given that the Tito's regime prided itself, would pride itself on sort of forging its own path, if you like, to communism, did these veterans have, was there a sort of space for these veterans in that sort of vision, if you like, um, especially kind of as the, uh, as it start, as the country starts to distance itself from the Soviet Union and the wider Eastern Bloc? Yes, yeah. I mean, your intuitions are quite quite right, Sam. Um, you know, you, you you know what you know what you're talking about. I mean, basically, to all of your hunches, uh, I, I can sort of I, I can I can confirm. Uh, I mean, when you're quite right. First of all, um, as as you know, and as some of your listeners will know as well, uh, um, the, the 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 sort of the national liberation struggle, so-called of the partisans uh, during the Second World War. Uh, was the central tenet of the, of the sort of the, the revolution, and it was you know it was this military force uh, which had achieved that. Um, so as a result of that, in the public sphere and in public spaces in socialist Yugoslavia after 1945, um, the men who had fought, the men and women who had fought in the uh, the partisan war, in, in the partisan struggle, uh, were very prominent and were very central. And of course, Tito himself. Uh, um, was was you know was was you know the the example par excellence in, in public propaganda of, of a successful general and a, and a uh, um, uh, you know a potent military military figure. Now, in addition to this, there, there was a sense going forward uh, um, initially, at least, that um, the new Yugoslavia, the, the socialist Yugoslavia, um, was a radical break from what had come before, uh, and that was something that was very important during the national liberation struggle. So during the civil war in, in, in Yugoslavia, in the, in the Second World War from 1941 to 1945, um, the, the political leadership and the military leadership of the partisans and the Communist Party felt that it was incumbent and, and, and you know, in fact, essential uh, um, that people understood that their new Yugoslavia was going to be radically different from the one that came before. Now, that idea carried on into the, uh, the socialist period. And one of the ways the state tried to distinguish itself from what had come before um, was through its disabled veterans and for its, for its welfare policies. And essentially what the, what the communists were saying um, is that in the interwar period, that, you know, that they, they took this, this very well-known history of failure um, and these long complaints uh, um, from the, the disabled veterans of the interwar period. Um, and they basically repackaged them and said, well, look at this terrible history Look at these people uh, um, who were complete, you know, who were constantly complaining. Um, you know, they were right to complain. Uh, the capitalist bourgeois state of the interwar period neglected them, ignored them. Um, but we're not going to do that. We're going to uh, um, provide them, uh, you know, not only with uh, um, the financial support that they need, but we're also going to give to them a, a productive, creative role in the building of uh, the building of socialism. We're going to find new ways to integrate them. Into our uh, into our socialist society, so it's quite interesting in terms of inclusion and exclusion uh, um, because in the in, in, in the in the socialist period, um, 
welfare entitlement was 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 sort of uh, um, for war veterans was restricted to people who had fought in the partisan army uh, or had been in concentration camps later on or, or had basically uh, been, if you like, for, for want of a better word, on the right side. So those people who fought in, in the Serbian royalist Chetniks or the Croat nationalist fascist movement, the Ustasha, uh, of course, they were not entitled. They were not part of this. Uh, uh, um, you know, public story, and they were not part of the revolution, and they were not given uh, uh, welfare as part of as part of this war veterans welfare package. On the other hand, uh, um, those men who had fought in the First World War, even though that conflict had been discredited as an imperialist uh, um, adventure, which resulted in the, the 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 success of the Serbian bourgeoisie and blah blah blah. Uh, um, those men who had fought in some cases very loyally and very willingly uh, for the Serbian army were integrated into this welfare package. Now, there's a lot fewer of them, and they were quite old by then. Uh, um, so in, in, in terms of a sort of a, a potentially sort of quarrelsome block, they, they were not particularly, uh, um, I don't think they were a particular, particular, particular threat to the, uh, uh, to the socialists. But, but nevertheless, it, it's quite intriguing the way uh, um, certain you know, certain categories of inclusion are there, uh, and other, you know, other categories of, of exclusion are, are, are also there. And um, so just drawing our sort of perspective back a little bit and thinking about kind of um, these two eras, if you like, as a single, um, as a single, as a single continuity, um, when we when you when we sort of look at um, these veterans' experiences um, in these both different, though not necessarily entirely entirely always entirely dissimilar contexts, how do you think this actually reflected on the, firstly on the development of Yugoslavia as a state, and also um, do you th do you, do you see this as um, did the, do you see this as possibly kind of um, a, how would this deter and how and also how it determined maybe its wider relationship with its citizens mm. the yugoslavian state that is yeah well i mean i, I it's interesting i i think um my argument and, and these are arguments sound that i'm really still trying to sort of formulate and, and trying to work through in my head um but but i i was struck by fun fundamental continuities uh, um from, from sort of the first yugoslavia into the second yugoslavia um, so notions about uh, um, what the the role of um, disability care was, you know, fundamentally rehabilitation, um, labor rehabilitation, getting people back into work, um, these simply didn't change uh, um, or didn't change to a huge, you know, they changed by degree, you know, not by, uh, uh, not by kind, uh, um, you know, across this, across the sort of the 1945, uh, um, you know, the revolution in, in 1945. So notions about rehabilitation to work, retraining, they were actually formulated. Uh, um, I mean, they existed in the 19th century, but they were, uh, um, you, you know, they, they were introduced in Yugoslavia at the end of the First World War. And the communists, despite, of course, labor and work being central to their revolution, um, didn't essentially change uh, um, that notion, you know, the, the, the notion of disability uh, um, and what the state would do for disabled people was essentially, uh, um, you know, a, a story of continuity. And the same with the family. Um, it was a very conservative notion uh, of what the family unit constituted in terms of welfare. The man was the breadwinner. 
um, if he was injured or if he had been killed, uh, um, then the remainder of the family needed to be uh, uh, compensated according uh, to his worth. So if he was sort of 80% disabled, there would have to be a certain amount of money. If, if, it was, if we're talking about a widow and orphans, uh, um, it would have to be 100% uh, of, of his putative, putative earnings. Now, that, that doesn't really change either uh, um, at the end of the Second World War. Uh, um, the, 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 the conception of the family um, as a recipient of welfare uh, um, is still, you know, notions of gender, notions of what a family unit constitutes um, is not really changed uh, um, in the socialist period. And, and that, again, for me, was quite piquant um, because, you, you know, that there is a notion, uh, um, again, that the revolution that the communists affected during the Second World War was also a revolution in gender relations. And, and uh, um, it was a matter of emancipating women. And in many ways they were. Uh, uh, there were elements of emancipation, you know, education and, and uh, um, you know, divorce and abortion and these sorts of things. They would, they would come during the, um, um, the socialist period. But in the private sphere of the family, uh, um, it, it remained, you know, very conservative idea about whose work, uh, um, you know, who would do which jobs, and, and basically the women were doing, uh, uh, you know, the women were doing most of the domestic work, and, and that that's reflected in uh, uh, disability uh, um, welfare allowances throughout the period that I've been been looking at. And um, do you? Um, I'd Again, you might not. This might not be. This might be a bit. This might be quite far beyond your uh, your remit, if you like. But uh, have you um, do you discern any kind of um, lasting impact this had or this has on the on the contemporary societies of the Western Balkans? Um, or can you or can you detect any kind of con further continuities to, to um, leading to today? Um, you know, not really. Um, and that's a very interesting question. And. and um, I've recently been writing, um, I've been contributing, I am contributing towards a special edition, a special issue um, of the European Historical Review, uh, which is about social minorities or minorities and, and, and welfare. And I'm writing about the socialist period, but there's another uh, contributor, um, a, uh, um, uh, a scholar called Carolina Lendak Kabok, um, who's writing about uh, um, the, the, the period of welfare um, post Yugoslav, so, so sort of into the in the 90s and, and into the 21st century. So in, in the special issue, we, we have the beginning of the, the, so, the, so, the socialist Yugoslav welfare package that I'm doing, and then Catalina is doing the end of it. Um, and indeed it is the end. Uh, what, what, what we're seeing is that uh, um, in the 1990s, the, the economic and political transformations and the breakup of the country um, are really uh, um, the, the sort of the dead end uh, um, of these of these welfare policies. Now, I'm not really an expert on this, and I'm just reading other people's work uh, um, and what other people have written about it. Um, but it does seem that, that, that this story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, and what we have now is, is you know, what, what there is in terms of welfare in the uh, um, in the new successor states is something quite unlike. Um, what has come before. Now that, that's interesting because there are of course very many war veterans uh, um, in Croatia and in Bosnia, in Kosovo, um, in Serbia, uh, um, you know, they're, 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 you know, particularly in a country like Croatia or, or Kosovo uh, or Bosnia, those are, those are very uh, prominent figures once again uh, and recipients of welfare. Um, but their stories, it seems to me, uh, um, or at least as far as I know, are qu quite different from the uh, the stories of, of those veterans in the uh, um, in the socialist period. Okay. And finally, where can people go to learn more about this topic? 
Well, they should go to your podcast, um, <laughs> and then presumably if they're listening to us, they have done. So New episodes every Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, uh, uh, so that, 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 that's a weekly, a weekly, not, not to be missed each week. Um, uh, there is a, a very good historian called Heike Kager. Um, uh, for people who read German or um, uh, Bosnian, Serbian, Croatian, uh, she's written a very impressive book and, and she's written some articles um, mainly about the, uh, the, the, the commemoration and the memory of the uh, national liberation struggle that she's touched upon these, uh, these, welfare, these welfare matters. Um, I, I'm not writing a book about this, but I'm, I'm writing a couple of articles. Um, there's one article which deals with the interwar period. Uh, have a draft of that article and I, I just have to sort of submit it somewhere, um, but I haven't quite decided where that's going to be. And I have to finish the draft as, as well. Um, so that's on its way, but the, I'm not quite sure where that's that's going to be. Um, and then I've got this article coming out on the uh, the socialist period, um, and that will be eventually coming out with uh, the European uh, uh, um, the European uh, historical uh, historical review, um, and that will be coming out in, in in the next while, hopefully online online first. And that's actually going to be an entire special issue. Um, looking at uh, um, welfare across Europe and Eurasia and, and looking at how social minorities and ethnic minorities experience uh, um, differently uh, uh, welfare. So that, that's, I think that's going to be quite an interesting uh, collective conversation. John Paul, thank you very, very much. Thank you, Sam. Uh, good to talk to you and uh, uh, good luck with the, uh, the, rest, of the, uh, the rest of the series. Thank you. Yeah. Take care.